This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. Thanks for tuning in today. So first of all, I want to apologize if the audio seems a little different. Um, For this episode, my microphone that I usually use is not working, and I have no idea why. So um, to avoid risking going through an entire episode and then realizing that it didn't actually record, which might have happened to me the other night, um, I decided to just use the microphone in my computer, which is like podcast blasphemy. I realize that, but it's all I have right now. So until I figure out what is going on with my microphone that should not be broken because it is not that old, um, then we're just going to have to do this. So I will be shopping on Amazon for a new microphone soon. But today, this is what we have. And that is so we can get this episode up. So today, ladies, it's November 2020. Um, This has been a year that one would think perhaps we don't have much for which to be thankful, at least from the outside looking in for um, those who don't know Christ would say, you know, what's, what do we have to be thankful for this year? Although, you know, as I say that, I think there's, there's actually an error in that because I think even those who are not Christians have found this year in particular, how much they do have to be thankful for things that perhaps they took for granted in the past. Um, and so I think that's been one of the benefits of this year, um, things that we've been able to rediscover, time with family. So it just seems as though 2020 has just been such a strange year, and yet God has really used it to show all of us a lot of different things. I think everybody's learned different lessons, learned different things about themselves this year, and and so here we come upon Thanksgiving um, here in the U.S. in the year 2020. What do you do with that? Uh, you know, the, the Christian thing to say is, of course, we give thanks in all things, and Blah, blah, blah. And that's true. That's entirely true. And that's actually the point of this particular episode. But sometimes that's hard. And and that's what I want us to acknowledge as Christians and to be okay with acknowledging that sometimes it's hard to be thankful in all circumstances. And sometimes it's hard to be thankful for all things like trials, like losing loved ones, like being sick, like losing a job, like other things I was going to mention, a certain election, but I won't. So, but sometimes it's just hard to be thankful in the midst of whatever circumstances we are in. And it's okay to acknowledge that, so long as we also keep a 
Christ-centered perspective on the reality that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. And why can we be thankful in all circumstances? Because of Jesus Christ, right? Because we know that this world is not our home. Because we know that the, that we have an, an eternal inheritance waiting for us. And so things could just be completely miserable here. You could be living in a van down by the river, eating government cheese, and it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you have an eternal inheritance if you belong to Christ. Now, do you still want to have a more comfortable life than living in a van down by the river eating government cheese? Um, and that's an SNL reference for those who don't know it. So my apologies. Um, those, of course, I know that SNL sketch from my pre-Christian days. <laughs> anyway, um, I just completely lost my train of thought. Of course, we would like for our lives to be more comfortable than that. And for most of us, they are. But the reality is that we have reason to be thankful because we've been saved and because we know that Christ has paid the price for our sins. I mean, that's just a massive reason to be thankful. That is like the only, the best, the quintessential reason to be thankful to the Lord for what he has done. And so today, this episode's airing the um, Saturday before Thanksgiving, and we started this month's episodes with an episode on thankfulness. And so I wanted, I wanted to end this month's episodes on thankfulness as well. And I say that because I don't intend to post a new episode on um, November 28th, 2020, because that is Thanksgiving weekend, and... I hope that you're all way too busy eating leftovers and decorating for Christmas to be listening to this podcast. So that's just how that's going to go. So I kind of wanted to end on a similar theme for this month. And I happened across a story and a quote um, from Matthew Henry. And most of you are probably familiar with Matthew Henry. He was a Bible expositor, Bible commentator. Um, I think his his full commentary is like six volumes or something. Um, I have it, but it's all in one great big massive book with really, really teeny tiny print. So you really have to want to find out what that verse is saying from his perspective. So anyway, so that's who Matthew Henry is. That's, well, that's, there's a lot more background to him. Um, Google him, you'll find him. And if you can hear that bell, that's producer Charlie in the background finally showing up to help produce the show. He's been a little MIA lately. Anyway, so I came across this story um, that Matthew Henry wrote in his journal um, on a night that he was robbed. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is, of course, um, the verse that tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. And this is such a fascinating way to live that out. So Matthew Henry wrote, and I found this in several places, so I think it's legit. Matthew Henry wrote, quote, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed, end quote. And that should teach us how to look at unfavorable circumstances and still be thankful. And Honestly, ladies, I am speaking to myself right now because I am really good at complaining about things instead of 
stopping and looking more objectively at the situation and seeing, you know, how are the ways that God provided in the situation or protected in the situation, like we see here with Matthew Henry, and what things might he be doing in this situation? Because just because I think it should have happened one way does not mean that that's the best way. It obviously isn't because that's not how God had it go. Now, his best way may end up causing more pain than I would like, but that's still his best way for whatever reasons to strengthen me, to teach me something, whatever. And so I really liked this little story about Matthew Henry because it, and just the way that he, the perspective he took on this particular incident in his life. And then I also came upon this quote from Matthew Henry as well. He says, Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. Um, it's a little cheesy, but it's good. It's good. And I think we see that in that journal entry, how he was living his thanks, his Thanksgiving. And so, you know, if you do a search for Thanksgiving um, in the Bible, you'll find a lot, <laughs> a lot of mentions of it. And not all of them are necessarily um, in the same context that we're talking about today. Now, we looked a couple episodes ago at a couple of Psalms and, and what that Thanksgiving, that thankfulness looked like for the psalmist. And um, today, just briefly, ladies, if you want to turn to Psalm 69, uh, and we won't stay here, so I'm just going to pause here for a moment. Psalm 69, verse 30, and today I'm reading from the ESV. The psalmist writes, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. And really focusing there on that verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving and moving on, seeing that this is more pleasing to the Lord than an animal sacrifice, which of course um, was the mandate of Israel back in Old Testament times. So in other words, to magnify the Lord with thanksgiving means more to the Lord than to go through the rituals, whatever that religious ritual is, because if your heart isn't in it, then it's completely worthless, right? And we know that, and we've talked about that before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again at some point. But this, oddly enough, maybe actually took me to Romans chapter 12, because I just couldn't get out of my mind this idea of being a living sacrifice and having your whole life be a sacrifice of praise, you know, especially after reading Matthew Henry's quote, thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. And that just really took my brain to Romans 12. So I encourage you ladies, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and turn there. And I'm actually going to read the whole chapter here, ladies. And hopefully that helps give us the context of what we're getting at here. And Again, this is kind of a tertiary point. I'm kind of pulling some things together that were rolling through my head as I read these stories and I read this psalm and was thinking about this concept of Thanksgiving this month. So Romans 12, again reading from the ESV, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I don't know about you ladies, but... Um, in my Bible, this section from verse 9 to the end of the chapter is subtitled, which we know the subtitles are not inspired, but it's subtitled Marks of the True Christian. And of course, that does not mean that you do these things to get saved. It means if you are saved, your life will reflect it in part by living the way that Paul describes here. And so that's what struck me with Matthew Henry's quote, thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. And, and just this concept of thankfulness to the Lord and magnifying him with thanksgiving. What does that look like? You can, you can sit and say, thank you, God. 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 All you want. That's not really doing much. Even if you mean it, it's good to do that, of course. But show it. And you think about it, ladies, we expect this within our human relationships, don't we? If someone says they love us, we expect them to demonstrate that in their actions, that if someone loves us, they don't spit on your face. Not intentionally, anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so why would we think that God is okay with anything less? He's not. Our lives should reflect the fact that we love him, that we have been saved by him, and that we are thankful not only for what he's done for us, but for who he is. It's not just about what we're getting. It's not just about what he's done, but it's about who he is as well. And of course, that's like a whole other series of episodes that would take a long time. So we'll just leave it there. But when I read through Romans 12, and especially those last verses there, 9 through the end of the chapter, I just thought, you know, this demonstrates what it is, first of all, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as Paul says back in the first verse of the chapter. And then second of all, to engage in that thanks living that Matthew Henry was talking about. Let love be genuine. Genuinely love the poor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 
demonstrate brotherly affection to one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Even if it's not something that would make you weep, if your brother or sister is in difficulty, in pain, in sorrow, in grief, weep alongside of them. Just because it's not something that would make you sorrowful doesn't mean that your brother and sister in Christ is not hurting. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Boy, that seems to not be something too many Christians do anymore, at least if you're on social media. Do not be haughty. Wow, again, I don't see much of that from certain camps. Um, on social media, it's like we have two different faces. But this is what it is to live as one who has been saved by Christ. Again, not to get saved, but because we've been transformed. I mean, Paul touches on this right at the beginning of the, right at the outcome of the chapter. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your mind has been transformed. So these things come naturally. Of course, we're sinners. Of course, that doesn't stop. We still sin. We're not going to do this perfectly. I'm not telling you to because I certainly don't. But it's something for us to keep our eyes on and to pray about and to ask God to conform us to Christ in these ways. And this isn't about rules and regulations, is it? This isn't, you know, make sure that you're you're not wearing pants if you're a lady and your skirt goes down to your ankles. Uh, don't wear makeup because it's worldly. Uh, go to church 14 times a week and give X amount of money. None of that is in there, by the way. This is about the heart. And this is about our attitudes and our interactions with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with the world. This section is just so incredibly rich with so many implications for our lives and especially our lives with one another. And I think we do well to study it a bit and see, kind of do a, a self-assessment, you know, where am I in this? What do I need to pray about? Do I need to pray for more compassion so that I can weep with those who weep? Do I need to pray about my haughtiness or living in harmony with one another because I'm always looking for a conflict and I'm always ready for a fight? Bring it. Bring it. Because that's not the way that's supposed to work. That's not how Jesus was at all. Love one another with brotherly affection. It's just so telling to me when we see what's in here, what these quote-unquote marks of a true Christian are. Again, it's not a list of rules, you know, don't swear, don't commit adultery, don't murder. We shouldn't do those things, so don't misunderstand me. But those things come out of that transformed mind, that heart that has been turned from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Those things would not come out of the person who loves one another with brotherly affection, right? They're all, they naturally flow from one another. And so often we get caught up in the list and the rules of the do's and the don'ts and women can do this and women can't do this and men do this. And it's like, stop. Let's look at what the Bible says the Christian life looks like. And the Christian life 
looks the same in behavior regardless of your gender, regardless of whether you got two X chromosomes or an X and a Y. Your roles within the church or within a marriage might be different. But other than that, it's not, it doesn't say, um, women, you weep with those who weep. It doesn't say that. It's kind of like the fruit of the spirit. You don't get to cherry pick those, right? And say, well, this one's not manly or masculine enough. No, you don't get to do that because Jesus displayed the entirety of the fruit of the spirit. And now I'm off on another topic, so I'll stop. But I hope you see what I'm saying here, ladies, and hopefully my, my crazy brain is making a little bit of sense that if we're going to, Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. And this is one example here in Romans 12 of what that thanks living works, looks like and is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice here, genuinely loving, abhorring what is evil, holding fast to what is good, etc., etc., etc. Okay, I'm going to stop before I start repeating myself again. <laughs> so as an endorsement today, ladies, Oh, let's see. We're coming up on Christmas. It's only about a month away, and it's less than a month away from Thanksgiving. So I know a lot of people don't like Christmas music as much as I do, so this might seem a little early. So my endorsement for today is to listen to some Christmas music because you cannot be unhappy when you're listening to Christmas music. And if you can be, you're either listening to the wrong song or artist, or you're just a terrible grumpy person. So <laughs> those are the only two options, I promise. Um, but since we're not going to do an episode next week over Thanksgiving weekend, I'll give you that span of time. So between now and the end of November, listen to a little bit of Christmas music, get yourself in the Christmas spirit, um, whatever that is. Um, you know, and, and there's so many great Christmas carols, Christmas hymns that just exalt Christ so much. I love them. And so pick one of those and really dwell on the lyrics and the beauty of the music and enjoy it because it's about to get busy. Even though we're all stuck at home, it's still going to get busy. So take a little time to enjoy it before that happens. And as a parting thought today, ladies, again, I encourage you, I encourage myself, I encourage all of us to do a self-assessment here. Are we engaging in thanks living, as Matthew Henry called it? All right, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.